0: Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here at Cause Pods, we have one simple mission, to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes, whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who's just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, state, country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guests' favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Joining us on the show today, we are chatting with Dave Gardner. He is the host of the Growth Busters podcast and it is part of the growth busters project which promotes sustainable living and i don't think this is a topic we've really talked about too much is the environment and our ecosystem and how we can have a better place for us to live dave thank you so much for joining us here on cause pods today
1: thanks for having me great to be here
0: so take us back how did you get into this type of work why sustainable living like take us to the very beginning what brought you here
1: I'll try to make that the short version of that story. (laughs) Really about 15 years or so ago, I became concerned. I live in the American West. I live south of Denver, Colorado, and the front range of Colorado is a huge population growth magnet. And yet all over the American West, we're challenged by water supply issues. We do not have the water to meet the needs of the current population and agriculture that happens in the American West. And yet, What I was observing was that the city I lived in and most of the cities in the West kind of gauged their success by how fast they were growing. If you were growing your population, if you were at the top of that heap, then that meant you were doing something right. And I thought, that's crazy. So I started kind of paying more attention and digging into that. I finally decided, being a longtime filmmaker, I decided I was going to make a documentary about this kind of insane notion that prosperity comes from growth and that in fact that growth was essential in order for communities to be prosperous. So I created this documentary called Growth Busters, Hooked on Growth. It was released in 2011. And of course, early on, I thought it was going to be about population growth. But as I researched that project, I discovered that our myths and our obsessions with growth really are two-sided. One of them is about population growth and the other is about economic growth. As you well know, you don't get elected or stay in office if you don't promise and deliver robust economic growth. And yet it turns out if you've just got one planet to work with, you actually cannot indefinitely grow your economy. (laughs) Impossible. So I made that documentary and that led to the Growth Busters project and eventually to the Growth Busters podcast.
0: What you were saying that you can indefinitely grow your economy. I mean, there's plenty of Robust economic growth potential in sustainable living. There's plenty of money to be made in putting up solar panels, windmills. I can't think of the name of the systems, but the ones that send the water underground to cool down geothermal systems for your housing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's plenty of money to be made in making the planet a better place. At least we'd like to think so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're talking about growing the cleaner, smaller footprint activities in our economy. While meanwhile, we need to be shrinking the things that have a huge footprint, especially a carbon footprint. So that's definitely a big part of the conversations we have on the Growth Busters podcast.
0: Well, and so you did the documentary, and I'm assuming it's still out there. People can find it and check it out if they're curious and they're listening to this and they think it's great. But so then why from there did you decide, I should do a podcast podcast? Well,
1: every person on the planet hasn't seen the documentary yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's it in a nutshell. I mean, really, I just decided that this was my calling in life. This is the main reason I walked the planet is that my job is to make it okay to question the mythology that's grown up around growth. Really only for a couple of hundred years have we been in this super growth mode, but we've kind of got this assumption that that's the final answer that that's the way human civilization is supposed to run and so I continue to try to get the film seen but there are other ways to educate the public and and you know actually an interesting thing that I think podcasters or people thinking about podcasting will find this noteworthy and that is I've got a great YouTube channel the Growth Busters YouTube channel and we make a new short film once a year or so so I continue to dabble in filmmaking but what I've discovered is the audience for a YouTube video, how much patience do they have? They want that video to be two minutes long. They won't sit at their device and watch a video for more than a minute or two. That deprives people of the opportunity to really dig deep into a lot of subjects. The one place that's left where people will consume longer, deeper conversations is podcasting because they can be multitasking, they can be gardening, they can be commuting, they can be exercising. So they still have the patience to listen to something that's 20, 40, or even as you know, three hours long. (laughs) And so, so I turned to podcasting in order to find that thoughtful audience that's curious enough to dig deep.
0: Do you find that beyond just the fact that the audience is a little bit more receptive to longer form content, they have a little bit more patience? Do you find that audio helps you convey your message or tell your story in a way that is different unique from being able to tell it in video not to say that as a whole audio is more effective but that there are parts that are more effective in audio versus parts that are more effective as video
1: you know People in the film business know that audio is really more important than the picture. <laughs> we put a lot of energy and we put a lot of focus on the soundtrack of a film or a television show because it does have so much emotional power. So sure, that would carry into if I had to pick just one, if I could just show you pictures or I could just throw audio at you, I would pick audio because there is a lot more power there. But more important to me has been just trying to be cost effective in the nonprofit world. We never have enough money to do what we really would like to be able to do. And I can create a half hour of audio content much more quickly than I can create a half hour of video content. If I'm going to do a half hour video, shoot, that could take me a month. (laughs) You can do a half hour of great podcast in half a day.
0: Or in a half hour. Yeah, actually. <laughs> True.
1: <laughs> but if you've been podcasting long, you'll soon learn there's a lot of hidden time sinks involved in prep and post-production.
0: Well, and so, I mean, coming with a media background, I suppose that podcasting wasn't a massive challenge. Like you said, there was a big focus on audio as part of your video production. But were there things about podcasting that were unique or were there challenges that you saw in the beginning that tripped you up or that you learned something special that you wanted to share?
1: Well, you're right that the audio production came easy to me, especially because I also had a background in radio. I took every audio production class I could in college and know plenty to be dangerous when it comes to audio. The challenges for me in the podcasting world were really specific to podcasting just in terms of media hosting and show notes and RSS feeds and iTunes and Apple Podcasts and and all that stuff. Making sure that you get your content content In front of an audience, and that the audience discovers you. And things like luffs, how loud your audio file should be, that was kind of new to me.
0: So, when you were getting started, did you seek help? Did you figure it out on your own? Were you just going on YouTube and seeing what other folks had to say about that kind of stuff? You know, I'm trying to
1: think of where my biggest sources were. Pretty early on, I subscribed to the How Sound. Podcast, which is really kind of oriented toward radio professionals, radio storytellers, but it 's great content wise to up my game late in the process. I started listening to the feed, which is that podcast that Rob and Elsie do from Libsyn, and that has helped me tremendously i that is one podcast I never miss
0: yeah they're a fantastic resource, yeah,
1: technically, and just really all things new in the podcast universe and There's a couple of newsletters out there, but a lot of it has just been tripping over my own two feet, making mistakes and learning and going on from that. I want to mention one kind of interesting part of the path was that I completely forgot about. It was kind of an intermediate phase. When I finished the film, I realized that I had interviewed over 100 people and maybe 25 of them actually appeared in the film. And yet every time I sat down with a real thought leader, these were really brilliant people that I'd interviewed, I would talk to them for an hour because I had them and 25 of them ended up with a minute or two in the film. So I had all of this video content and I decided I wanted to repurpose it. And originally I thought I would do some kind of a cable TV series, but I hadn't filmed with two cameras and I hadn't even put a mic on myself when I interviewed these people so there were a lot of things that would make it really challenging just to repurpose those conversations as video content and yeah podcasting boom audio perfect so what what I actually did before I got into podcasting was I created a syndicated radio series called Conversation Earth. And you can still find 43 episodes that we did out there where I took these conversations. Most of them were repurposed from Growth Busters, but I I did a handful of new interviews as time went on also. But I packaged them into 30-minute radio programs, offered them free to public and community radio stations. We had about 25 radio stations carry it. And, of course, we repurposed that as a podcast. And that was how I kind of dipped my toe into podcasting and started to learn about that. I had to stop that because... When you're delivering a radio show to radio stations every week, you have got to have that new episode. And it was really a brutal schedule. Did a crowdfunding campaign, and I had done a few successful crowdfunding campaigns for the documentary, but I could not raise enough money to hire the staff I was going to need if I was going to keep doing a radio series. So we stopped that. And a year later, an intern talked me into starting up the Growth Busters podcast. And of course, part of the appeal is if I have a tough month, you may not get a podcast episode episode from Growth Busters and I don't consider that the end of the world. I try real hard to deliver a new episode every 2 weeks in the case of Growth Busters, but there's a little bit more flexibility and that's awesome when it comes to lifestyle.
0: Yeah, I want to go back that concept of taking that radio program, taking that audio product and reaching out to public and community radio stations to get it broadcast. I mean, that's a fantastic idea, especially in the cause-based podcasting world. For growth, I mean, these are stations that are probably hungry for really good, solid content. And so if you can find the right stations, you should absolutely go about it. But to your point, you have to have the sustainability, no pun intended, but you have to be able to deliver on a consistent basis in order to keep that when you were reaching out any tips or tricks or advice that you can give to someone who's hearing this and thinking, oh, you know what, we should try that. That would be a great idea.
1: I'm really glad you decided to bark up that tree because that's really true. It could be a really neat opportunity for some cause-based podcasts. A couple of things that I would say are important to know if you want to go down that road. One is, well, your audio quality has got to be that much better. The radio broadcasters are extremely particular and it'll be very easy for them to just dismiss you as a possibility if you don't have great sound. Also, consistent episode links is really not necessarily essential, but almost essential. The third thing is that public radio stations, your local NPR affiliate, probably isn't as hungry for content as you might think. They have an awful lot of material coming at them down that fire hose from their usual sources. So it's really community radio stations are the best farm for you to... uh, to try to farm, the the best market for you to farm. Community radio stations are hungry for content, and there are a lot of them. And so most of them are LPFM, low-power FM stations. So they're fairly easy to find. And with them, it's pretty easy to just find a contact and reach out to find their program director or sometimes it's their general manager. And another thing that was really useful for me was because I had actually programmed a community radio station for a few years. I got distracted. I learned about the Pacifica Radio Network. And when I started producing Conversation Earth, Pacifica invited me to submit as an independent producer to submit that to the Pacifica Network. So it was a place automatically where I could put those episodes and most of the community radio stations out there and other stations would discover it. And then the other good marketplace that podcasters considering this would want to know about is PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, prx.org. That is actually a place where you can publish podcasts and the general public can discover them. I don't think it's nearly as good as most of the podcast apps out there, but it is a place where some radio stations go to shop for content.
0: So besides making sure that you have higher quality audio so that those stations are willing to air it and putting it out on a consistent basis so, again, you can you know stay top of mind and you don't get swapped out for somebody else or they'd be like, ah, oh, this person's not reliable, we can't take it. Was there something else that you learned pretty quickly or you wish you had done differently to capitalize on that opportunity?
1: The one thing, it's, it's kind of been a consistent story in my life it was a problem with the film the documentary and it was a challenge with the conversation earth radio series was promotion if you're making a documentary, half of your budget needs to be for promotion. You need to save half of your money. <laughs> don't spend that on production. And most filmmakers don't do that. And once I stood up Conversation Earth, I did not have the, the funding really necessary to call on radio stations and really work hard to get it placed in those markets. So it was kind of a bootstrapped thing. And I think those are things where if you have the luxury of doing a little bit more upfront planning and you have the potential to tap some philanthropists, some major donors who might really like to get behind what you're doing. I think that's an opportunity to don't make the mistake I did and just jump in.
0: Well, and I, I suppose also it's important that you know they're airing your content. It's your 30, 40, 60 minutes, whatever airtime they're willing to give you. Take advantage of it. I mean, make sure that you are not wasting the station's time or the user's time with nonsense, but also you know, take a few seconds here and there and remind folks, this is who you are. This is what you'd like them to do. Hey, we're glad that you're enjoying Conversation Earth. Please head over to the website to learn more or please go to the Growth Busters YouTube page to check out the documentary, right? Like you don't have to be in your face about it, but you certainly want to make sure that you've got these people's ears. You've got their attention. Get them to do what you want them to do.
1: Yeah, and with those non-commercial radio broadcasters, you do have to be really careful. I had to do a little bit of research to make sure I used language that they would be comfortable with where it didn't seem overly commercial. And interestingly, Matthew, the Conversation Earth podcast is still out there, those 43 episodes. And if someone goes to the conversationearth.org website, they'll find an invitation to get on the email list. And so not a week goes by that I don't get new people who I know just discovered that content because they jump onto that email list. So that's pretty evergreen stuff.
0: I wonder if also if it would make sense at some point to take the Conversation Earth and and feed that into the Growth Busters podcast as a way to keep more content coming out of that show and also drive more people to all of your various efforts that you have out there.
1: You know, I think that's an interesting idea. And I sort of started to play with that just a little bit. (laughs) Just this last summer, I did a radio special. Made it a conversation Earth, one-hour special called "Welcome to Overshoot." Have a nice day, because I think it was July 29th was Earth Overshoot Day, and it's a day when the scientists at the Global Footprint Network calculate that we've already burned through a year's worth of the planet's ability to regenerate the resources that we need. So it's kind of a, a sign that we're living almost twice as high on the hog as we should if we want to be living sustainably on a global average. And I wanted to bring more attention to that. So I did a special... That I offered to the radio stations uh, via the Pacifica Network and Public Radio Exchange and used a lot of the interviews that I had done for Conversation Earth and for Growth Busters and some new interviews. And as soon as we published that, we gave that to the radio stations about a month before the day so that they had time to work that into their schedules. And then closer to Earth Overshoot Day, we did a Growth Busters podcast about the subject. And we said, and we're going to give you a bonus episode. Right after we publish this, we're going to turn around and publish this Conversation Earth One Hour special as as an extra treat. So we definitely made that do double duty.
0: That's great. And that's a great suggestion, by the way, to all of you other cause-based podcasters out there who are thinking about how to turn older material. Maybe, like Dave, you've got some video content or you did some previous recordings or maybe you tried a podcast a few years ago and it didn't quite work out and you're thinking about doing it again. All that content, if the timeliness of it hasn't expired, there's no reason you can't reuse it. Even if you're not airing the whole thing, maybe you're just going in and you're pulling short two, three, four, ten three, four, 10-minute clips out of there and saying, there's this one piece of information that you know, really stuck with us, and we're going to go back to it. So we're bringing back blah, blah, blah from an old episode of yada, yada, and boom, there's more content for you to put out. So
1: That is great advice, yeah. And that's one good reason to do transcripts of your podcast episodes, if you can afford to do that, because that makes it a lot easier for you to go back and find that stuff.
0: Oh, yeah absolutely and you don't necessarily even have to do the full handwritten dollar plus a minute you know there's some good automated processes that will let you get a, a reasonable transcript for this kind of purpose and so that's probably a great idea to spend a couple of bucks on a transcript versus 40 50 60 100 dollars on a transcript yeah
1: i cringe when i think of how much money i used to spend on transcripts and <laughs> in my filmmaking days that's become a lot cheaper
0: amazing how much we've spent on a lot of things back then. Then we look at today, we go, oh, I could do that now for 99 cents. Interesting. So all of this, everything that you do, the growth busters, the conversations, all these different things are all powered by citizen-powered media. You want to tell us a little bit about this 501c3, the charity, and what you guys are doing over there?
1: Sure. When I started working on the film, I knew I needed a nonprofit so that I could get grant funding and donations. So the nonprofit I created was Citizen-Powered Media, The reason it has that name is I was thinking once I'm going to be finished busting growth at some point and I'm going to want to move on. So I developed this mission, which was this is a company that's going to lend its media expertise to worthy causes out there. And uh, over the years, I have been approached by a number of worthy causes and have made films for other nonprofits. But mostly I don't have time to do that. So most of the time I have to say no. But that does serve as the parent company of the Conversation Earth efforts and the Growthbusters podcast today and so it's it's really not a real robust website if you go to citizenpoweredmedia.org it'll give you links to go to growthbusters.org or growthbustersmovie.org or conversationearth.org where more of the content happens But it's there and we run totally on donations. I don't have time to mess with foundations and grant applications these days. So we live pretty thinly, but we really depend on our fans who think that we're doing something important in the world. And I happen to think that there is no more important issue on Earth to human beings than trying to figure out how we can make human civilization last. And if we don't get into sustainable balance, then we're not going to last.
0: Yeah, I think there's been this pushback on the concept of save the planet, save the planet, save the Earth. And I always remember uh, George Carlin had a great stand up bit where he said, The Earth will be fine. <laughs> you know, the Earth sees us as another virus or a bug. It'll shake us off one day, it'll do its thing, it'll grow back. But we need this planet and we need this environment to work in a way that is, like you said, sustainable for us. We need clean water, we need clean air. We need temperature and climate that is reasonable for us to live in, that isn't producing record number of storms and hurricanes and flash floods and all these different things that are not a problem for the earth. The earth can survive a hurricane. We can't. And so sustainable living and protecting our environment is important. Everything else aside, if if we don't have a place for us to live, then everything else we want to do in the world, it's not going to matter unfortunately. And the direction that things are going in right now is not the right one. So we really, really, really want to encourage everyone to take a look at Growth Busters, check out the podcast, take a look at Conversation Earth. It's an older project, but the content is still relevant. It's still good. It will still help you think about this important topic of our world, our environment, our ability to live on this planet. And truthfully, check out citizenpoweredmedia.org. Dave, I don't think you gave your website enough credit. It's a great looking website. It doesn't have a ton of features or fancy bells and whistles, but it looks great. It looks professional. It has links to all the different things that they are doing. And there's some really great work that's being done there, not just for the environment, but in other, almost like a cause pods for good work for film and media projects. So we really want to encourage you. We'll have a link, of course, to All these different things that we've talked about. We'll have a donation link set up for Citizens Powered Media as well. And we just want to continue to encourage you, Dave, and thank you for everything that you're doing. And more importantly, thank you for taking a few minutes right now to join us on Cause Pods today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for what you're doing,
0: Matthew. Appreciate the help. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And remember, if you have a CausePod and want to join me for an interview, please check out CausePods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the CausePod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on CausePods.